Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Cavaliers. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Chris Manning, your host of Locked on Cavs, here today with another episode. And today is a Knicks game preview. As I mentioned, we're going to be talking with Jared Dubin, the host of Locked on Knicks, here in a second. But just wanted to give you a quick few news updates before we get into things. Uh, first off, Dante Jones was cut from the roster. The Cavs roster is now at 15. Uh, that means DeAndre Liggins is on the team. Jordan McRae is still on the team. Mo Williams is on the inactive list. And he's still around. There's still something to be done there, so don't... Expect Mo Williams to take up that roster spot for much longer. Um, just keep note that something is going to happen there. But Dante Jones, a veteran guy, didn't really offer much on the court. But don't be surprised if in a couple months he is back. There, he's he's loved in the locker room, loved with his teammates, uh, and it's not a guarantee to me that he's going to be gone for the whole season, in my opinion. Uh, and that's just a guess. Don't really know that for sure yet, but that's just a, a hunch I have about the situation. Secondly, Kay Felder uh, is going to miss tomorrow today's game. Uh, he obviously suffered the concussion, as we talked about on the Sunday news show. Uh, but he, you know, it has not been cleared. That means he hasn't gone through the protocol fully yet. That means he's still having some issues. That means Amon Shumpert is your backup point guard tonight for the Cavs. So that's something to keep an eye on. Something to note that Shump uh, wants that role. He's talked openly about wanting to be that backup point guard. And playing more point guards, so just keep an eye out for that. And now, real quick, I just want to give you guys a word from today's sponsor, which is BetDSI.com. So do you love basketball? Are you ready to get into the action? Then you need to check out BetDSI.com. This is a company that has over 20 years in the business. They're top-rated. I've played there before. I've bet there before. It is a safe way to do it. And they have a great basketball special going on right now. If you sign up today and use the promo code Cavaliers 10, you get $10 free to try their service. They're also offering a 100% bonus on your first deposit. That's right. BetDSI is giving you a $10 free coupon, basically, to try their to try their service, and they're offering you a 100% bonus on your first deposit. If you have any problems, they have great customer service. Your payments when and if you win are fast and easy, and there are hundreds of football and basketball wages for you to choose from. You can even bet on the UFC. You can even bet on the upcoming election. You can also even bet on football, basketball, and other major sporting events as they happen. Virtually, if you want to play something, BetDSI has you covered. So again, go to BetDSI.com right now. That's BetDSI.com. Go there now. Use the promo code CAVALIERS10 and get your free wager today. Again, BetDSI.com. It's a great way to bet on anything you want to. And use the promo code CAVALIERS10 and start winning today. Hey, Chris. How's it going, man? How are you? I'm good, Jared, man. It's good to uh, have another collaboration show. 
Yeah, this is uh, we did one back maybe like a month ago, doing you know overall expectations for the season. Obviously, now we're just going to talk about real basketball, the season opener, which is like it's so amazing to be talking about a game that actually counts. Uh, you and I talked before we jumped on the actual show about how much we dislike preseason basketball. So it'll be good to get some real things going. But that's not the only thing going on in Cleveland that night. What's the atmosphere in that city going to be like with, you know, the season opener where it's the team getting their rings of the first Cleveland championship since, like, anybody that we know's parents were born, um, plus the first game of the World Series, which they actually moved up the start time of Knicks Cavs for. Yeah. I'm so for my for my day job. Uh, normally, I would when I'm going to cover a game, I would it's about a ten minute drive into the city, so I would be fine leaving it. I get off at five, maybe leave at four thirty if it's a not so busy day, and I can get right into the city, uh, get get parked, get all the availability and everything. Tomorrow I'm taking a or today I'm taking a half day because I literally am gonna I'm preparing to take two hours to get into the city, depending on how crazy it is. I, that might be an extreme preparation, but it's gonna be nuts. I mean. If you haven't been to Cleveland or the listeners haven't been to Cleveland, Progressive Field, where the Indians play, and the Quigalones Arena are basically adjacent to each other. Uh, there's like a little gap right. in between them, but they're literally up on top of each other. Uh, there, you know, there's a big Nike, there's a Nike shoe truck there tomorrow. There's a LeBron literally, when he mentioned the ice cream truck, a blue bunny is literally bringing a huge ice cream truck and giving out free <laughs> ice cream tomorrow. Oh, uh, yeah, it's just a, a wacky thing. It's going to be, the last, I think, the craziest the thing in Cleveland. The time I was there was, uh, was 20 years ago. <laughs> I was there for the 97 All-Star game. Yeah, it's uh, – I can't even fathom what it's going to be like tomorrow. The bars are going to be crazy. The stadiums are both going to be sold out, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I didn't think anything would ever honestly overshadow a ring night in Cleveland. But if they're going for a second one, I mean, that that's pretty. That's a pretty good thing that can overshadow it a little bit. The only cool – the only thing that would be cool is if they could somehow – because he he's just such a perfect fit for a first pitch, and they're having Kenny Lofton, so that that's good too. But if they could somehow like sneak LeBron over to Progressive Field real quick, have him throw out a first pitch, and then come back, that would be like the, oh, the like just set, let let everyone go crazy. Um, I mean he's not gonna you know go crazy in the regular season anyway. So, <laughs> so two two things about that. First of all, Kenny Lofton, that's a great job that they got him. Second of all, I think it's nonsense that LeBron has like adopted the Indians for this championship run. He's a Yankees fan. Everybody knows he's a Yankees fan. He wore a Yankees hat to what used to be Jacobs Field and was like very open about, I am a Yankees fan and I'm not going to change just because I'm playing in Cleveland still. Like, I think it's nonsense that he's adopted them for this run. Um, Maybe he's kind of drinkish in that way. Right. And Second of all, I saw uh, on Twitter yesterday, um, Darren Rovell tweeted out that there is a days in like five minutes away from downtown Cleveland that usually charges um, like seventy nine ninety nine a night, and for tomorrow night was like eight hundred and seventy five dollars. Yeah, um, it's it, this is like the RNC, but even nuttier. I think like it was crazy here when the RNC was in town and this is like people are actually a, excited about uh, this going on instead of being like very apprehensive of, right. <laughs> of the RNC. Um, like there's not as much risk of a riot. I don't feel like, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, 
if if both teams win, uh, all <laughs> everything is on the table. But it's I mean it's going to be a night that I really cannot wait to just see in person and just see the the atmosphere beforehand. I mean, there's this is literally what Cleveland has been kind of wanting for years. Um, they wanted the title, and we all saw how the parade was. This is not quite a, another title parade, but it's going to be something kind of close, I think. Will J.R. Smith be wearing a shirt? I think that's sort of the most important question. I kind of hope he doesn't. Like, I hope he uh, plays plays into the – like, leans into the <laughs> curve a little bit and, like, comes out during warm-ups and just, you know, even if he gets fined, like, just just embrace the moment a little bit. And he's he's been – he's also a Yankees fan, and he's literally yep. – like, him and – he's, like, loves Carlos Santana. Like, he literally – Carlos Santana is like J.R. Smith's favorite person besides his own family members based on how much he posts about Los on Instagram. Like, it's kind of amazing. He, um, I know he always warms up wearing like full sweatpants, sweatshirts with like the hood tied over his head, but he can work up a really big sweat. I feel like he needs to come out in that shirt of shirtless J.R. Smith just for tomorrow night. Um, that would be incredible. Yeah. It's the whole night tomorrow. I mean, if they just lean into every little bit of it. I'm I'm really here for it. Yeah, I'm um, I'm interested really uh, like not just because it's the season opener and that's a big game and it's next Cavs and that should be, you know, LeBron Carmelo is always a big game. But, you know, 2 years ago when these teams played the home opener for Cleveland, uh everybody thought the Cavs were going to sort of walk all over them. The Knicks were not expected to be a good team. The Cavs were the super team getting back together and the Knicks somehow came out and won that game, and that was sort of the high point of their entire season. <laughs> um, like Carmelo hurt his knee in that game and wasn't the same the rest of the year, and everybody knew he was hurt and needed to sit out. And speaking of that game, you know, obviously they're going to play tomorrow night, so I feel like that's as good – or sorry, tonight by the time you're listening to this. I feel like that's as good a place as any to transition into what we actually expect from these two teams when they meet tomorrow. Obviously the composition of the Knicks – is a whole lot different from uh, the time they played Cleveland in that season opener or home opener a couple of years ago. And the Cavs have a couple of the guys that were on that Knicks team that beat them uh, in J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert. What do you expect? Let's let's start with when Cleveland has the ball. What are the important things to look for, whether it's you know between the, the, inner, pers- the inner team dynamics of Cleveland or the guys that are guarding them? Uh, I think the first the first place I'll start is effort level. Um, I think not just tomorrow, but obviously the whole season. I think the Cavs' success is going to be somewhat determined by how much effort they play with on a night to night basis. But I think tomorrow is a special case because that's going to be such an emotional night. Uh, LeBron is a guy who really feeds off emotion. Uh, he's a guy who you know he's not someone who's gonna really ignore the moment of that, that ring ceremony tomorrow night, I don't think. Like, I don't think that the weight of that is lost on him at all. Um, for guys like Kevin Love and JR, and I think even Kyrie, who is maybe more of the isn't, – is, isn't really built that same way, I think they're all just going to be – you have to be affected by that moment if you're human. Like, it's just going to be such a special moment. I don't think there's a chance that they don't, they don't come out a little off because of that. So that, that's where I would start. And then I, I think from there – uh, you look at you know how do, what kind of offense are they going to run? Is there any changes from what we saw in the playoffs? Is it still very ISO pick and roll heavy with LeBron and Kyrie? Uh, do they do they do some of the things they did in the finals on a smaller level where they hunt down a guard with LeBron in the pick and roll? And what kind of love what kind of role does Kevin Love play? I mean, those are sort of the things I look at, and I, and I want to also see uh, because of the news that 
Uh, Kay Felder's not going to play. They haven't made a deal for a point guard as we record this. Amon Shumpert's the backup point guard tomorrow night. That's going to be yeah, interesting to watch. And, and someone Knicks who watched the Knicks, yeah, you get exactly, that. Uh, Knicks fans know exactly how playing him on Shumpert at point guard works out. Uh, yeah, not great. The word you're looking for is not well. Uh, um, I think that you, the point you brought up about the way they ran their offense in the finals and attacking somebody very specific with pick and rolls, that makes a whole lot of sense to do against the Knicks. Like, if they can put uh, Rose and Carmelo in LeBron, Kyrie pick and rolls as many times as possible that is something that I think is going to work out very, very well for the Cavs. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'll ask you this. I mean, kind of this is what I wonder. I mean, what are you expecting out of Rose? As I think about him tomorrow night, he didn't play on the preseason, obviously, because he was at his trial. What are you expecting out of him on the first night of the season? Uh, no idea. <laughs> Anything and everything is... He really didn't play. He's, he's played with these guys a grand total of one time. No one didn't play in that particular game at all. Um, you know, he barely got any time with Chris Apps. He's like maybe the most important guy for him to play with. Uh, I am sure that it is. I mean, it it could be something that happens immediately. It could be something that takes a long time. Like who knows? It's. I mean, he's lucky in that. You know, Kyrie, I think, has the tools to be a very good defender, you know, based on his, his length and his athleticism, but he has not shown himself to be that on any sort of consistent basis. Right. Like, he's had games and even series where he played good defense, but it's not like you go into a game and you're like, oh, man, you got to deal with Kyrie Irving defensively, so you're not going to get anything from Rose today, you know? Like, it's... Uh, it's, it's not the worst matchup to start off with in terms of his offense, but... If he does run a lot of pick and rolls, I mean, he's going to get switched on, you know, and it's a matter of getting him switched on Kevin Love instead of Tristan Thompson or LeBron. Yeah, I, I'm in. The Kyrie thing is interesting because I every I everyone I ask has a very different opinion of him as a defender. Um, I was on the Limited Upside podcast with Mike Prada, and he was I was like, well, Kyrie could be Curry on defense if he just plays with more effort because he has the I think the length and the size to be at least there as a defender and he was like well curry's maybe a little bigger or whatever and i was like eh, i don't really agree with that but he i mean you're right he is kind of a tire fire in defense when he's not really putting out a lot of uh effort and you know he's really put in effort over the past couple years of his career i mean the finals was really the first time where really he kind of was good ish for like a longer stretch it felt like i mean even the eastern conference finals the two games that they lost, he was not really impactful at all defending Lowry. Right. I mean, even in the finals, like I would say he played three incredible games, one good game, and three like bad games almost. Yeah. I mean, and I think the whole team really didn't really figure themselves out until later in the series. I mean, LeBron obviously matters the most in that, in that sense, but I think everyone after they got down three, one, and after they kind of had that moment a little bit and then Draymond gets suspended, I think that's maybe where everyone kind of locked in a little bit and from that low point all the way back up the other way. Do you think that they can carry that? I mean, it's it's a different thing locking in to play defense for the last three games of the NBA Finals than, like, granted, it's the season opener, but then locking in to do it against, like, a fringe playoff team in the Knicks, you know? Like, I know it's ring night and it's the season opener, and it's LeBron and Carmelo, 
but it's a totally different thing going against like, and I, I hate this construction that everybody says all the time, but a 73 win team with the unanimous MVP, like it's, it's, it's so different getting yourself up defensively for that game than it is to play the Knicks, you know, like yes, I'm, I'm very curious to see if they maintain, you know, their defensive intensity and integrity that they showed, not just, you know, in the finals, but throughout the playoffs as a whole. Yeah, I think there is a chance that they do have it tomorrow night because of the ring night, and they want to kind of feed off that a little bit after they get their wits about them. But also, I think LeBron doesn't like losing to his friends, and he is obviously very tight with Carmelo That's very Anthony. Uh, and I feel like if Ky- LeBron comes out and he's going at Carmelo and he's defending Carmelo and being active against Carmelo, and, he, and LeBron also is kind of a – he's a showman. Um, I mean, he didn't play much in the preseason, but he played in Columbus, and he loves playing in Columbus because he has this attachment to Ohio State. He likes that environment, and he put on a show in a meaningless preseason game. Tomorrow night, if he wants to go at Carmelo and he wants to just make that night a perfect night, I think he can go ahead and do that. And then if he does that, that sets a tone for everybody else. Right, and look, nobody can guard LeBron. Um, It's just not possible like you can make things slightly more difficult for him like some people have been able to do like you know Iguodala or Draymond or Kawhi or Kevin Durant occasionally have been able to do Carmelo not necessarily a guy that is able to do that with any consistency I feel like he might see a bunch of Lance Thomas yeah um, who in the past has shown at least an ability to make him work uh, you know it's not like he holds him down or anything but a couple of years ago that was sort of the the way that Lance played himself into a regular role with the Knicks was like there was a few game stretch where he guarded LeBron and like James Harden and Kevin Durant. And it was like, Oh, this guy can actually play a little bit of defense. Uh, And then last year he took that up, you know, a little bit more. Um, How do you think, I mean, obviously LeBron would be able to take advantage of either of them, but I mean, you would obviously rather him be guarded by Carmelo almost, right? Yeah. That's, I think to be far preferable. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's, that I think if, with this matchup, it's LeBron's going to be able to do a lot of what he wants, and that sort of impacts the game in a way that I don't know how the Knicks really counter that, um, unless you know LeBron has an off night because there are nights where if he's not playing at the level he wants, or he just has an off night like every player does from time to time, you know he could just you know have a doesn't hit jump shots and settles for jump shots, and then it becomes sort of a stagnant offense. So that's certainly possible because that does happen with LeBron sometimes, especially in the regular season. So Jared, I'll ask you this. You look at the Knicks, you mentioned some of these issues already with Derrick Rose not playing with everybody so far. What do you expect out of the Knicks' offense on opening night? That's really difficult to say, too. Like, <laughs> you, don't, you don't know what system they're going to run. Like, Are they going to run a lot of triangle, a little triangle? Are they going to push the pace as much as they tried to during the preseason and, and as much as they say they want to? during the regular season like how are the touches going to be distributed like it was one thing during the preseason but the starting point guard the guy who's going to be doing the distributing wasn't playing like you have no idea what to expect from anything because they really haven't played together at all and like granted even if they had played together you wouldn't necessarily know what to expect but i mean you're gonna get obviously a lot of carmelo on the block on the wing um, some Rose and Kristaps pick and roll, some Jennings especially, I think, and Kristaps pick and roll. Like They worked very well together, I thought, during the preseason. And Hornacek has said that he's going to take Kristaps out 
you know, about six minutes or so into the game and then bring him back in so he can play with the second unit more, which I, I think should be beneficial both for him playing against backup big men and probably as a center and should be helpful for Jennings as well just because of the gravity Chris Stapps has when he comes around that screen on the pick and roll. And Jennings is a guy that really needs that extra space because he's so small. Um, so those are the things that I think are going to be sort of the basis of them offensively, but it, it's hard to shake out, like like I said, how the touches will be distributed because you just don't know how Rose is going to do things at all. Yeah, I, that to me is how I impact that, how I look at them because I like a lot of, I really do, the more and more I've thought about the Knicks, I like some of the things that they have. I like, I, I think Carmelo forever is like, it, he's a great scorer and you can never take that away from him, even if you think he has all these other flaws, some of which are valid. Um, I love Chris Stapps. You know, if Joakim Noah's healthy, he opens up some fun things, but that's obviously an if. Uh, I, Courtney Lee is mad underrated. Like, Courtney Lee is awesome. <laughs> and he fits, yeah, I, like, really I've well. Said, I've said multiple times, like, he is the guy that made the most sense for them to get, um, just based on the composition of the rest of the team. Like, what they needed between Rose and Carmelo more than anything else was a low-usage, high-efficiency guard that could defend multiple positions and yeah. that basically is the exact description of Courtney Lee's career exactly uh, I like a lot of the I like some of the other guys on the Knicks roster like I, I'm a Marie Sendor stand because he went to my alma mater but uh, <laughs> I love Marie Sendor I think like I really really think he's going to be good uh, and I was glad he stuck but you're right I mean you look at the main guys in that rotation and you look at the Derek Rose thing like I almost am more partially because I think Brandon Jennings is like maybe sneakily better uh, right now, and he's just kind of more fun. I kind of just am worried to see what that offense looks like. And Chris Stapps, if he, if Chris Stapps and Carmelo both have big nights, so I think maybe that takes away some of your concerns because at least if they're having these really productive nights, especially if it's Chris Stapps and he can take on a bigger role, maybe that lessens some of the issues that you see with the Knicks offense because he could be a guy that can cover up flaws of other players if he's playing at the best of his abilities. Yeah, I mean, look, that's sort of the saving grace I feel like for the Knicks is that they have these two guys that if they're on then the Knicks should be in games like if if Carmelo and Kristaps are playing well they shouldn't get blown out really by the, all that many teams like the Warriors could still blow them out the Cavs are another team that even if those guys are on could still do it like San Antonio maybe the Clippers but they should be able to compete with anybody almost if those two guys are on and you would hope based on their talent level and their progression and the fact that Carmelo has been doing it for so long and Chris Epps you expect to be doing it for a long time as well. Like if you get those two guys playing well, even with the Cavs, they should be able to compete, you know, not necessarily win. Like you could have those guys play well and still lose because that team is just so much more talented overall. But I mean, that's the luxury of having two players like that is, you know, if they play well, it gives you a chance. Yeah, I think, and I think that's right. I think at the end of the day, if you have really good players, even if it's on a flawed roster, that's going to help on a certain, just a certain level. That matters more than almost anything else, just because stars in a star-driven league matter more than anything. They're the ultimate currency. They're the ultimate cover-up for your mistakes. And like, let's say Derrick Rose isn't a great fit, and let's say he really struggles, you can at least, in theory, do some things with him and Chris Epps in the pick and roll that at least can be somewhat effective, especially if Chris Stapps is progressing at the rate you'd hope he would. 
Right. Um, sp- speaking of KP, though, what do you think of the matchup with him and Kevin Love? Love was one of the guys that gave him a little bit of trouble last year. Like, perimeter-oriented big men were sort of the guys that he struggled covering the most. Mm-hmm. Love and Draymond Green are the two examples that, that come to mind off the top of my head of that him the most trouble. And that's something that you would hope that he's not necessarily rectified, but at least alleviated a little bit. What do you think about that matchup? It's interesting because um, I think it's the right person. First, it's the right person to put him on because I feel like having no idea with Tristan Thompson is at least better, at least in theory, in terms of where they're going to fit on the floor. Um, I think that the telling thing is really going to be where what they do with Love tomorrow night and because he could, A, just be in the perimeter like we've seen him be and really struggle there and make Chris Epps be put in those situations you don't necessarily want him put in, but do you think he would do better maybe if Love is getting post ups? Because he's you know he can he's taller than Love, he's bigger than Love. Um, maybe he can cause give him some issues there. Uh, you know, do they attack him in the pick and roll with Love and LeBron? Is that something they do? It'll be interesting because I feel like in year two, if he, you know, he's learned a little bit because no, barely any NBA rookies are at least passable at defense. That's just a a thing. Chris Apps is no different. He's he struggled on defense at times. Uh, but Love's a guy that he's not quite as athletic as some of the other, well, maybe more perimeter-oriented power forwards. Uh, and he, there are times where he is stationary. I, but I feel like if the, the Cavs make Chris Abs move his feet and maybe do some interesting things where they attack him, that's that's a way to have success there. Uh, but I, I feel like if you're going to – the one thing you remember, I, I think last year's Chris Apps – well, it was last year, but I think it was Chris Apps on Love – when they played the games, he dunked on Love, uh, got it off, got a board over him, and had some moments against him. Uh, but I mean, do you think? I think the question is: Do you think Chris Stapps is capable of just kind of handling some of the basic things they're going to throw at him? If it's a pick and roll, if it's him spotting up and rotating, what, what what do you think causes him problems when he's defending guys like Kevin Love? Yeah, I think the the more troubling thing for him was when he had to help into the paint and then recover to his man who was acting as a shooter and then contain that guy off the dribble. Like, that was what gave him so much trouble with both Draymond and Love. Like, more than guarding the pick-and-roll himself, it was when his man wasn't directly involved in the pick-and-roll and he had to act as the help defender and then get back out to his guy. Mm-hmm. That was the thing that gave him the most trouble, Love gave him a pump fake and drove by him like a few different times uh, in the game at the Garden alone. And Draymond must have done it like seven or eight times in the same game. Um, You know, if they put him directly in the pick and roll, that is more within his skill set. You know, even in that same game um, where Love went by him a few times, he switched on to LeBron and actually sort of held his own in one-on-one defense out of that switch. He actually took it from him on two different possessions, uh, a a block and a steal. Um, so putting him directly involved with that play, I think, is more uh, his speed in terms of what he'll be able to deal with. I'm more interested to see when he's that help defense third guy, whether he's able to get out to Love, stop him from taking the three, and then you know not also let Love go straight by him to get to the basket. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's maybe where some of the breakdowns can come because when you're playing the Cavs, you do have to really be a good help defender because of who is going to have the ball in their hands. When LeBron James and Kyrie Irving are attacking the room, you need guys in help. 
And that that's kind of what creates opening for Kevin Love. I mean, statistically, he's not a great knockdown off-ball three-point shooter, but he becomes more dangerous, and just like any guy, when he has that extra room. Uh, and Kyrie and LeBron create problems for defenses. And if you look at the Knicks' defense, Chris Tapps is going to have a huge role because, A, uh, you have to con- maybe think Joakim Noah is not going to be the best version of Joakim Noah. Um, he hasn't, you know, we, I don't think he's had any injuries in preseason or anything like that, but you think about his... Yeah, the, and, uh, the hamstring. Oh, the he had a hamstring. Sorry, yeah, so, he had the, so he's not coming in maybe at 100%. You think about the issues he had with the Bulls. You think Kyrie and LeBron are going to get run at the rim. Chris Epps is a huge in deterring that because of his size, because of his length. But if he has to con for love, I, I think I see what you're saying, that he can be put in these positions where he might struggle with love when I think athletically he could de- I think athletically he definitely matches up fine with love love is not exactly oh, yeah. a freak athlete by any means but I think maybe it's, you're right the it's the positioning in that matchup right and look he was very good at, at help defense on drives last year you know he got a bunch of blocks he was among you know the top half or third even in the league in terms of the rim protection stats uh, in sport view, like when he was challenging guys at the rim, he did very well at, you know, limiting them to, you know, lower shooting percentages there than you would expect from them normally. Uh, the, the challenge is being able to do that and also getting to his man on the perimeter. And that's where I think the Cavs have an advantage against them because, you know, Thompson's going to be their primary dive guy on pick and rolls in all likelihood whether it's LeBron or Kyrie running it. And that's in all likelihood who Noah's going to be guarding. And like that's Noah's strength too, is sort of corralling the ball handler coming around the pick and roll. But you also need somebody to come help off. And if it's Chris Stapps that has to be in the position to do that, that's good because you want him at the rim. But either somebody needs to be prepared to rotate out to his guy or he needs to close out quick but also under control, which is something like – if you had to pinpoint one thing that he struggled with defensively last year, that was it. Yeah. And I think that's interesting to watch. You know, a summer of learning. Um, you know, if he, Jeff Hornacek, maybe he can learn something from him because uh, maybe it's a more stable coaching situation this year. I mean, and even just having Joakim Noah as a mentor probably should help at least some there. Um, Joakim's maybe not – he's definitely not peak Joakim anymore, but he's still a guy with a ton of knowledge, a ton of experience, and he was part of some really great defenses with the Bulls, so maybe he can help there. Um, so I'll, I'll ask you this: As uh, I look, I look at the Knicks defending the Cavs. Uh, I obviously think there are some issues with how they're going to be able to defend the Cavs because of LeBron. But you look at you look at Kevin Love, I guess, and kind of we already talked about him a little bit. But you look at him and Kyrie as a duo. What who do you think of those two is more dangerous to the Knicks defense? Oh, it's it's Kyrie for sure. Um, their point guard defense, no matter who is playing point guard, is going to be bad. Um, Derek Rose, Brandon Jennings, both subpar defenders with, you know, Rose has a bit more size than Jennings does. You know, Jennings is very small. Uh, I know he's worked incredibly hard defensively during the preseason and sort of created some stuff in the backcourt. Uh, I would not expect him to do the same thing against Kyrie Irving as he did against like that Wizards guy that he got kicked out of the game. Yeah. Um, that's just a little bit different. Uh, in terms of the challenge that he's facing, but it's um, yeah. I mean, look, this they they have two got two big guys that I think will be able to help a lot in terms of the way that their point guards defend pick and rolls. But you still don't have a lot of resistance at the point of attack, and that's 
Kyrie's best skill is taking his man off the dribble. Mm-hmm. You know, it may it may be even more advantageous for them to just straight up ISO him than to get him in pick and rolls because you don't even want that extra man there. Just let him go to work on Rose and Jennings. It's going to be easier for him to get by them. Yeah, that's. I think that's pretty fair, and I think that that's that brings up the other thing that I, I kind of wonder about how, and I think this will be indicative of how teams view the Cavs, especially if Shump remains the backup point guard. The Cavs' bench units were great in the playoffs. There's no denying how important they were for them winning the title. Um, and they're a little different this year. You have no Delhi, so Shumpert right now is the backup point guard. Then you have LeBron, Dunleavy, Richard Jefferson, Channing Fry. You have some Tristan Thompson in there as well for some rebounding purposes. Um, I mean, do you think that that bench unit, in terms of what the how the Knicks and other teams will defend it, is as problematic as what the Cavs could run out in the playoffs? I mean, Delhi, as much as he is not a great player, uh, really was super useful for them at the end of the year. Yeah, he especially made a lot of sense playing with LeBron just because he could play off the ball and shoot his threes and just sort of be a pest on defense. Um, Shumpert, I mean, theoretically, they should use him the same way. Just guard the point guard, stand around and shoot threes, and if you dribble, you're coming out of the game. Um, He has never really been agreeable to that. Under under 30% from three last year, too. And he was hurt, but not great. Right. I mean... I think their bench is maybe worrisome when they get into the playoffs, not necessarily against a team like the Knicks who has a ton of question marks uh, on the bench as well. You know, like a lot of people are are talking about how the Knicks are so much deeper this year because it seems like they have a lot of options. Um, To me, it seems like they seem deeper because none of the options is necessarily better than any of the others. So it seems like they have a ton of guys to choose from. Yeah. Um, when in reality, it's like a lot of guys who are major question marks. Yeah. Um, and I guess the the last thing I have that I, I kind of wonder about in this game is I think the rebounding battles are going to be really interesting uh, because I think the Cavs are going to have some really good rebounding lineups. But I think, if, especially if they run out Fry uh, at the five with, like, let's say Dunleavy or Richard Jefferson as the quasi four, I think there's a chance that they could, you know, they could get beat up on the boards in situations. I mean, how much do you think re- the, who wins the rebounding battle? is going to play an impact on this game. And how good of a rebounding team do, do you think the Knicks will be? Yeah, I think that when Noah, Chris Dapps, and Carmelo all play together, they can be a good rebounding team. But once you start splitting them up, then you know guys are going to be playing at positions where they become below-average rebounders than average or above-average rebounders. Like when Carmelo is the three, he's an above-average rebounder for that spot. You move him to power forward, all of a sudden he's an average rebounder. Mm-hmm. Chris Stapps, last year, um, the Knicks rebounded very well when he played with Robin Lopez, but did not rebound nearly as well when he was the center. Um, I think that they'll get a little bit better in those situations this year just because he'll know what he's doing more and he'll have more muscle added on and he'll be stronger. But it's, I still think it's something where that's going to be their biggest weakness when they go to those small ball lineups. Mm-hmm. And the Cavs have shown that they can hammer teams that aren't excellent on the defensive glass. You know, if, if they stay big when the other team goes to one of their small ball units. And that's definitely an area that they can make the Knicks pay if the Knicks go small, I think. Yeah, I think that's going to be fascinating to watch because I think that's going to be something to watch just in general with the Cavs this year. Um, and I kind of want to see where the Knicks bench goes. Like you mentioned, it's maybe not guys that 
aren't necessarily great, but I think they're guys that are promising. Um, and because it's like a lot of the guys that I'm interested in on the Knicks are guys that weren't the Noahs or the Roses of the world, or the guys that they brought in from overseas. They're guys that are a little bit younger and maybe a little bit more of a risk. And I want to see how those guys play out. Do you think those guys are actually going to play at all tomorrow or in general? In the some, of them are, some of them are going to have to play. Yeah. Um, you know, the only guys that are sort of definitely in the rotation beyond the starting five are, I would say, you know, Jennings, Lance, and probably to start the year, Kyle O'Quinn mm-hmm. as the backup center. You know, beyond that, it's sort of a toss-up. Like maybe Kuzminskis will play. Maybe um, Justin Holiday will play. Maybe Vujicic will play. Like uh-huh. who the hell knows which of these guys are going to get in the game? You know, it's it's very up in the air to me. Um, but because we didn't see them play at full strength during the preseason, and because they sort of rotated guys through during the games they did play in the preseason as well, and some of the guys that didn't play well early on then played well in the last couple games. Like, O'Quinn, I thought, did not play well for the early part of the preseason, and then all of a sudden he has two big games at the end and sort of solidified, I think, you know, his spot as at least the initial backup center. Um, You know, maybe he gets a bunch of time, but maybe, you know, they also said that they want to find time for Hernan Gomez. So who knows even really who's going to wind up getting more minutes out of those guys. Like, if O'Quinn doesn't play well right away, Maybe the next stint goes to Hernan Gomez and they give him a shot. Like, it's everything because of the way their preseason went is so up in the air. And I mean, there I can see guys fitting in certain ways, and I can see other guys like who may not be quite as talented, but are just more needed because of the way the roster is constructed. Yeah, I think that's interesting, uh, and I think to me that's more interesting than what I look at the Cavs bench is just kind of a bunch of old guys in Shump right now, and then Kay Felder. So, right, yeah, like at least that. What that's do you, fascinating. Uh, what do you think we'll get out of J.R. Smith now working on a four-year, fifty-seven million dollar contract and with no motivation to not be J.R. Smith? <laughs> um, I think LeBron is his ultimate check. To be honest. Like, I really, really buy the theory and the idea that LeBron brings the best out of JR. I will say this before I let you continue. People thought the same thing about Carmelo, and that did not exactly work out. Yeah, um, not I love Carmelo. Like, as a as a non-Knicks fan, I, like, really have always appreciated Carmelo. But I think LeBron, because of just how his, how his mind works, because of just how he pursues things, and I think how focused he is, I kind of believe that he can get the most out of JR. He's really... JR statistically, like as an overall shooter, has not been necessarily great. I mean, I think he barely only shot like forty percent over the, from the field last year, but made forty percent from three, which is what matters. LeBron makes him play defense. LeBron makes him fill a certain role. He he yeah, was that was the big thing with yeah. him last year was the yeah. defense, especially yes. in the playoffs, like tracking Korver and Clay Thompson uh, and and even DeRozan uh, around screens and stuff. That was like it was like another dude inhabited his body yeah so i i think there will be nights where jr is j is like old school jr and is kind of wonky i kind of hope there's one game this year where you untie somebody's shoes because i've always kind of wanted to see that in person because i think it'd be really funny but um i i also think just lebron for the course of the season has the ability to get jr kind of focused in a way that i have never seen anyone else can and i think ty lu's voice matters there too because ty lu is a guy who played in the nba lebron trusts him 
and you have two voices there, plus James Jones. Uh, and I wouldn't count Dante Jones not coming back. I wouldn't shock me if he was back in the locker room in three months or something like that, or at least he's around the team. I think there's enough voices there. And structurally, David Griffin uh, has a very strong voice in that locker room too. I think there's enough structure there, in theory, for at least the first couple years of this deal, the first two years of this deal, to really maximize JR. Um, but I think, that, again, there will be nights where JR, because there were some times last year where he uh, kind of was disinterested a little bit and maybe he was taking some kind of junk threes. James Jones, by the way, the U, one of my one of my guys. He's the nicest NBA player I've ever talked to, and that's not like a new take because I think a lot of reporters have said that. But then, just the nicest guy. Look, that's how they that's how they educate people at the University of Miami. <laughs> yeah, fair, true. Fair enough. Everyone that's ever went there is a great guy. That's not true at all. Um, <laughs> I, I, the Rock, I, I the Rock went there, I think, down. so you're good. Like that's enough. The Rock did go there, man. He played uh, on the same defensive line as Warren Sapp, which yeah. was uh, very cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's as good a place as any, I feel like, yeah. to wrap things up. Uh, Chris, thanks for coming on, man. We're going to talk again after the game on Wednesday to uh, to talk about whether we were right or wrong about all the stuff that yeah. we just said about what might happen in this game. That's yeah. going to be good times. I'll talk to you then. Yeah, I'll talk to you. Thanks, Jared. No problem, man. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.